All right, hello and welcome back to the Jim Burns and Dave podcast. A little different in this instance because Jim isn't here. He's off doing stuff, he's seeing people, he's working on very cool secret projects. I mean, anyone can say that, but they are cool and they are secret, so you'd have to fucking wait. (laughs) But Dave's still here. So you just stuck with us too, I'm afraid. Yeah. Apologies for that. I know, exactly. So what have we been up to, Dave? What's what been happening? What have I been doing? Well, we've been doing quite a few Let's Plays. Yeah, they're good. We, uh, as we'd said, you know, midway through last year, I think we said that we wanted to to get back to doing that sort of thing. But obviously we needed to um, build the business as the, uh, as people keep on telling us, you know, stuff needs to be done. Can you do this? We've given you money. And you're like, what? No, we love that too. But yeah, we do want to do more more YouTube stuff. So we've got a few more of the Let's Plays in the can. We, uh, we're kind of happy with where it is structurally, technically, uh, and in terms of comedy now. Because mainly it's just winding up Jim. And so there's a few more. It's kind of the function of the entire company, really. Yeah, I don't know why he even agreed to it, to be honest. Making his life a lot worse. But uh, and ours are uh, much, much better. So I don't know, he's kind of got the wrong end of the gun. But yeah, so... Apart from that, you'll be seeing some other very cool stuff, a bit more specialised, a bit more film stuff. We talked before about maybe doing a specific film history stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's happened and there'll be more to follow. So, you know, depending on where you listen, you could be listening to this five years from now. We'll probably all be dead. But imagine you find an iPod and it's got this on. You're like, (laughs) wait a minute, who still listens to these on iPods? Basically, none of this makes any sense. So, listen, Dave's going to tell you about what he's been up to, as is, uh, as is the regular intro, because he's been doing some very Tory bits and bobs. I knew I'd get called a Tory for this, but I went to the, uh, to the Royal Albert Hall well, to watch the proms, that, which, well. I mean, admittedly does sound mega Tory, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, Shostakovich, uh, Russian composer. And if you're interested in film scores, and certainly if you've heard of a little guy called John Williams who's done a score or two, it's really interesting to listen to, because the influence is incredible throughout the throughout the whole thing and what was what was that when i was playing at uk menus was it dracula yes a lot of the score or at least the opening score of dracula you know the start when uh, he's still human and he's like right i've got to go out and fuck these people up there's a the very famous opening to uh to dracula and the score uh, is very much influenced by your man shostakovich so how was it there was it good oh it's brilliant yeah. It was incredible. It, yeah. He was there, right? He was like, He well, was, yeah, yeah, they yeah. like, dug him up. Welcome to the Royal Albert Hall. You could hear like Home Alone refrains in it, like not not in this piece of the Star Wars one, but you can certainly in, in other pieces hear the Star Wars theme tunes and it, it's definitely worth a listen to because he borrows heavily. I mean, some people criticize it as theft, but it certainly isn't because obviously everything's influenced by what comes before it. Exactly. Okay, no more shooting in video games, yeah. lads. Sorry, that's theft because someone else shot something in a video game. I mean, yeah, there's specific parts. I mean, copyright law is, is built on that. Specific instances and parts that can be used as references. But yeah, you can't just lift the whole thing. But having said that, he's uh, he's been dead for a while now. So don't worry about it. They'll yeah, come just and- nick it. Exactly. I mean, he's not going to come and get you. Unless he's now a ghost. He's a state, mate. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, he's a state. You can come over. I'll knock them all out. Yeah. I won't. And I have no plans to infringe his copyright either. If it still exists. If it still exists. That brings us to a lovely to our first question, which is... Oh, what's, right. What's your favourite film score or soundtrack? Um, copyright infringement too. It's going to make House Party look... No. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. the, obviously, the best... Not the best, but... One that we talked about briefly last week is the soundtrack to America Gigolo. Georgia Moroder, Blondie, Call Me, a synth version of it later on, played at different speeds and tempos mm-hmm. depending on the mood of the scene, perfectly captures LA in the early 80s. I'm going to sit down and watch this with It you. is a good movie. It's a good movie. It's it's based on um, Pickpocket by Bresson, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's set in, eight, in the 80s and Richard Gere drives a Mercedes 500 SL convertible. So it's better than that French shit. Those guys were fucking riding around wearing Armani, weren't they? No, they were not. If you're talking soundtracks there, then Almost Famous is fucking banging. See, this is the difference between soundtrack and score. Yeah, score is totally different, yeah. Yeah. We're going score, then, well, I mean, that's the whole... Lord of the Rings is a phenomenal score, mm-hmm. despite what you may mm-hmm. think about the overlong films. Mm-hmm. Requiem for a Dream is one of my favourite ones, Clint Mansell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bam, bam, yeah, bam, bam, just, bam. Uh, It's a shame it's I mean, just been Premier League have ruined it, but you know. <laughs> Danny Elfman's Batman. I usually find his stuff a bit too jovial, to be honest, but the, the Batman. He was in fucking, fucking Oingo Boingo, wasn't he? The band. So if you know anything about Oingo Boingo, it's, they had a song called Only a Lad, which was in one of the Guitar Hero games. 
I was like, excuse me, is this actually Danny Elfman? Now, that is yeah. one of the greatest games ever made. Yes. We gained hours into that when oh, it first man, came out. That's incredible. Shame that that got run into the ground as well. But with regards to score, Batman 89's score is so, so good, especially that, that bespoke opening sequence where you're going around what looks like a weird tunnel mm-hmm. and then it pulls out and it's the Batman crest logo, whatever you want to call it. Fantastic. Uh, what else? Score-wise, the aforementioned Dracula has a fantastic score, which is I've perfect. I've not seen that for years. The Godfather. Well, of course, that's brilliant. Which you may have heard about. It's good. Nino Rota. Yes, and Carmen Coppola. There was some uh, plagiarism allegations, speaking of copyright. Oh, really? For that, but... You know, I'm prepared to let it slide on this occasion. <laughs> Seeing as it's, uh, it seems to turn out well for everyone, apart from that, have been ripped off. Yeah, I mean, older ones, you got uh, Bernard Herrmann, Vertigo, Cycle, mm. and all the other Hitchcock films. Big time. But yeah, I, re- I really like the, just the weirdness of Reckon for a Dream. I really like Clint Mansell's stuff. Uh, it gets a, a bit of a, a bad rap, maybe a little bit. James Horner's score for Alien, uh, Aliens, should I say, mm-hmm. sorry. No, I uh, think that's a great one. Goldsmith did Alien. But it's, he had to use bits and bolts from another score because some problem with production meant mm. that he didn't have that much time. But if I think about aliens, I think about the scene where they're trying to escape from the uh, from the alien nest towards the beginning. Well, it's about an hour in. You know where they go to find the fucking colonists and they're like, oh shit, we can't fire our guns. Mm-hmm. And they go, and they fuck the car up. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That rendition is probably better than what's in the movie as well. <laughs> Get that MP3. Who yeah. needs a full orchestra when you've got exactly, you? Exactly, got me. And I think the one that I absolutely love that isn't The Godfather or isn't any of the Herman stuff is fucking Robocop. It's that is great, so actually. good. The, symph- like the, the scene where he goes, where Robocop goes back to his old house and has the flashbacks to seeing his family. The way that the music is blended, where it goes from, so it has the romantic element and the sadness of the life that he'll never get back, which is amazing for a movie about a guy who's a fucking robotic police officer and, you know, shoots people in the dick. <laughs> uh, to blend that into just two or three minutes of incredible, incredible cinema. And there's the moment where there's a wide shot of Robocop kind of turning around almost lost rudderless in this old house what the fuck do you know the existential nightmare of being able to know a life before that you can't have back Mm -hmm. and that you can't even get close to normality you can't replicate it because you can't settle down with someone else because you know you're a robot robot. a robot cop exactly and you've got to go and do cop stuff you know but uh that is it's so so good so so basil paul doris is so good and also the score for Robocop 2, which is a complete rip-off by is it Leonard someone or other. He did the score for Star Trek 2 or 4 or 1, some of them. Or he just lift it and take it up an octave. Oh my goodness, it's so good. The fucking, the Robocop 2's thing, you're like, it's just exactly the same. <laughs> we're we're going to listen to that after this. Who else, actually, who else did that? So the John Williams score, speaking of John, Big John, mm-hmm. he did the score for Superman. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly famous. You probably you're probably hearing it right now. Master of the Universe, 1987. So nine years later. Well, if you listen to those two back to back, you'll be like, mm, lads, I can't believe they got away with it. I, I can't remember the piece of believe- classical music that inspired yours. If you Google it, it is incredible because it's proper. Bottom, bottom, bum, bum, oh, really? bum, bum, bum. In- Inspiration, yeah. lads. Inspiration. Theft. Hey, a, I mean, you think of music, you think of John Williams. He's yeah. He's like, you just list. Good old Johnny boy. Hit after hit after hit. His work on the Star Wars prequels is incredible as well. The yeah. only redeeming thing about Star Wars prequels. Pod race. John Williams, Jewel of the Fates. Fantastic. Shame they've been ruined by people. Right. <laughs> What's but the also, actually, little motifs and, and things as well, like the, the thing. Boom, boom. That one that was at least great. nominated for the Razzie for worst score. Yeah, unbelievable. It's incredible. The the thing that I like the most about when you talk about scores, if they're symphonic or otherwise, or I was going to say fucking BGM, like video games, background music, but uh, soundtracks is the stuff that gets thrown out. So didn't the thing have this whole other section, which was a bit more in line with, you know, you think Morricone, mm-hmm. you know, generally think of like <laughs> fucking heartbeat. Straight back and yeah. Yeah, and... There it was. They just chucked it out. I mean, the Terminator as well. That's a great one. Again, Brad, Brad Friedel went on to become the yeah. goalkeeper. <laughs> I think of the elements in Terminator 2 that better the first one, the soundtrack. So the opening of the Terminator works, that kind of almost steel drum, kind of industrial, den, 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 
works for that movie. Mm-hmm. But the opening of Terminator 2, where the uh, the nuclear war happens and the foot comes down, uh, but that, you know, the uh, uh, the children's playground's on fire mm-hmm. and the, the score that opens that, which is obviously an updated version, is fantastic. And it's probably the only way that Terminator 2 is better than the original Terminator. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you are you are right. I you know what? hate admitting to you ever being right. I know. I was thinking about this bad. last night before bed. You know, because these are the sort of things I think about. You know, my Pez team, which is one I think about. Shit, what the fuck am I going to do with AC Milan? Yeah, because they're fucking it up. But I also was thinking about the Terminator, and uh, it's a guy on Twitter, uh, Philip Back, who makes video games, mm-hmm. and yeah, he knows a thing or two about films, and he's saying that you know there are things that happen in Terminator Two. That merely happened for the because they're for marketing purposes. So in the first Terminator, the T eight hundred wears the sunglasses and cuts his hair short like that because one of his eyes is damaged and he needs to hide it. And also, like the cops have seen what he looks like with a slightly longer hair. And he's got like weird kind of like side parting for the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie. But in Terminator two, these things just are taken as red, even though it's meant to be the same model. So it's you know he's got shorter hair, which is fine. I can get on board with that. And I was thinking the reason why I think I prefer the Terminator versus Terminator 2 is because even though on the surface they appear to be similar, they're actually nothing nothing alike at all. And that's because they're almost in different genres. The second movie is meant to be a summer blockbuster. Now, before that term was coined, a summer blockbuster was essentially like, you didn't, because it wasn't coined, you didn't have it. It was something that became successful. It was something that was given to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't set out to make a summer blockbuster because that term didn't really exist before. You set out to make a good movie which would have big earning potential. Now, since Jaws and whatever through the 80s, blockbusters have been codified. We need X on page Y. We need big explosions. We need big mm-hmm. stars. We need small plots. We need, you know, narrative thrust. We need, you know, we need liquid metal Terminators. <laughs> the original Terminator is a genre film. It's a B-picture with an A class, right, that's that's what I like. Is that it's a small movie, with an A class, like like with Alien. It, exactly, it's a small movie in a genre that doesn't say that this needs to be the biggest movie in the world. It's an incredibly talented guy working with an incredibly talented cast uh, and crew to make a film which transcends, which because it was so good, transcended the so-called restrictions of its genre. <laughs> it's a B picture about a fucking robot that comes back in time to kill someone. I mean, it's a you know, it was based on a Twilight Zone, a couple of Twilight Zone episodes. Mm. You know, you, so that's the difference. We've gone a complete tangent about Terminator, so what's the next question? But that's the difference. That is, yeah. Well that that started with what's your favourite score? Oh, <laughs> you know, these are things I think yeah. of before I go to bed. And that was from Ryan Gillett. There's actually there's one that the one that comes after that as well is Manasas, what's your favourite album? Whilst we're on whilst we're on music. We get a music question quite like often. Music. But, I'm bad I'm bad with albums. So I you know Firstly, I'm bad at remembering the names of the songs, but I'm good at knowing where they are in the order of it's the It's Miley album. Cyrus though, isn't it? It's the second one that you really like. Excuse me. How dare you? It's the first one, obviously. It's the Hannah Montana soundtrack, isn't it? <laughs> it's Billy Ray as well. Don't break my heart. Uh, I can break it up. I think, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Because I'm not good at this. Mine is Arcade Fire Funeral. It's my favourite one. But, uh, I mean, there's one sitting right there that you love with some jangly balls hanging from it from Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Rumours is probably my second yeah, favourite. Yeah, I can tell you the order in which the songs go on it, though. I'm bad. That's see, I'm bad at that. And Jim's is uh, anything by Aztec Camera. <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily always sit down and decide that I am going to uh, to listen to an album. Generally, if I'm listening to an album, it is like a lot of things. It's just it's on while I'm doing something else. So when I play Pez, or when I go to a friend's house, I didn't play know FIFA. you played Pez. Did you not know that? I but you play Ajax, not Manchester United. AC Milan. Oh, AC Milan. Well, I'm waiting for the uh, the update to come in, aren't I? Ah, yeah. of course. Think about it. Think about it. Anyway, and also, I used to play as United all the time. And every year, I'm like, yeah, maybe it's time to try to play some other teams. It does get boring. Some other it? players, because you end up buying the same players. So, you know, it's not. That's why I did it like the, the very first champ manager. Well, there's none of this starting in the Premier League as Liverpool or United, any of that shite. You had to start in the conference yeah, and there's none of this saving malarkey. Uh, you bollocks. got your team as high up as you could <laughs> before your mate's mum went, right, go home, go to bed, go, turn it off, come uh. back the next day, back in the conference. 
That was when games were real. Yeah, exactly. When you had to, when you had to just put a lot into it to get nothing yeah. out of it. But listen, what was, so yeah, without wanting to get too yadar about it, one album that's been on a lot. Well, generally anything by Queens of Stone Age just goes on mm-hmm. in long player and fucking bad reputation. The album by Thin Lizzy. Yeah, another cracker. On. I think that's what's the album called. Oh, no fucking. Who knows what it's called? It's just on. Master of Puppets by Metallica. And you finally got your t-shirt, didn't you, Steve? I did. After I years of looking. I know. I found my t-shirt. My girlfriend was really upset. I was wearing a Master of Puppets t-shirt until someone came up and uh, said, that's a really cool t-shirt. And I was like, you know what? Thank you very much. Thank you. I imagine you were fucking insufferable. Oh, <laughs> it was great. It was Imagine great. your smile. That's because I am always right. I am <laughs> always fucking right. But yeah, uh, rumours by Fluid Mac. I've not listened to Tusk, you know. Oh, Tusk's great. It's just very different. To- but it, that's... See, that's one that's meant to be. You've got to listen to it as the album, man. I mean, there's some great songs on it. Yeah. I've heard it's had a bit of a critical reappraisal because at the time, wasn't it? Didn't everyone think it was a bag of shit? Yeah, it was. Because it wasn't rumours. Yeah, but I mean... It wasn't rumours too. What is going to be rumours? Exactly. The no, first album's great as well, which really like bluesy. It's totally different to what... The, I mean, I think Rumours is the 11th or something Is this album? the Peter Green Fleetwood yeah, Mac? Yeah, because they got two albums called Fleetwood Mac, obviously. Yeah. Because so, all the words were taken. Yes, exactly. Well, getting back to films then. This is from Sonic Yoda. What is the most entertaining shit film you've seen? Talk. And you've seen a lot. I mean, I've seen specifically. I've seen of some of the world's worst movies. So generally with TV, I don't really care about it being crap as long as I'm entertained by it. But there's mm-hmm. some, there are some films, you know, I love film. And there's some films that just make such stupid decisions or just generally just rubbish. And I get mad about it. Television, not so much. But one movie I did see, uh, which will always hold a special place in my heart, is Talk. And that's, you know, as in like cars and motorcycles rather than what I'm doing now, talking as in, mm. you know, T, you know, T-O, not T-A. Anyway, the movie is incredibly shit. But I saw it when I just decided to procrastinate and not do any revision for my first year university God, does it release that long ago? Yeah, 2004, I think. What must have been. And uh, so, I mean, a guy called Tom Stevens, who you know, Dave. Indeed. We just went, you know what, fuck all this. We're going to go and, um, we're going to go watch this movie talk. It's about people on motorcycles and that. Uh, It's incredibly bad, but there was no one else in the cinema and we were howling with laughter. At one moment, the motorcycles fight each other. Oh, wow. Yeah, people fight on the motorcycle, like doing sweeps and stuff. Like, uh, it, it has to be seen to be believed. And behind them, it's got some of the greatest product placement of all time. One is backed by, it seems, Pepsi, mm-hmm. Big Mural. The other's Mountain Dew. It's incredible. It's so... That famous so... rivalry, Mountain Dew and Pepsi. Exactly. And I think Max Beasley's in it. And there's, uh, I think a lot of the plot revolves around he needs a, a, like this super a spare tyre or some shit. Yeah, well, he needs this new bike, which is like super fast to do stuff. I don't know. It's been a long time. And uh, then at the end, he's racing on this bike trying to get away from the the, peop- the good guys, the good bikists, and they're on their normal bikes and they just catch up with them. I'm like, wow, well, I thought this, the whole payoff was worth it. The whole it? point of this movie was that, <laughs> so we came out and we were just in tears. We were still laughing about things that happened, but I can't say that I had a bad, I did amazing, I does remember it, that better than some of Chris Nolan movies. Does it know that it's bad? Because that makes a difference to me. I think that there is a, a general acceptance that it is stupid. Mm-hmm but I wouldn't say that it knows it's bad. And that is a key distinction. Because I always wondered that, and I've done a, a few films. I had a DOP again. <laughs> so I uh, lit Sorry, films. Dave. <coughs> it's a water. You fucking poisoned me. You're Tory cricket water. <coughs> yeah. I can't talk now. Right, carry on. Tell me about your DOP, man. <laughs> Can Come you breathe? On. I'll be all right. Later. Right. That's fine. Carry on. Hello. Hello. Right. right. So I've done a few films that were that are dreadful. And I always mm. wondered before I did them, like, when people write them, do they know the shite or, or not? And I had a, D- a DLP friend g- gave me a script. Who, he'd done TV and stuff and, and commercials, but haven't yet done a film. He's like, so this is, I've just been offered this feature film. Should I do it? And I, and I just read the script and I was like, I mean... It's fucking garbage. It was absolutely awful. But I mean, I don't know. What 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 are you judging on? You judged on making it look pretty. Then maybe you make you make it look good, and you get your next film. And mm. but we did it, and I was like, do they do they know it's really bad, or are they kind of like 
hey, you know what? It's shit, but we're making a movie and it's fun and we're getting paid. Mm. But then it was like, can you kind of like think of Lady Macbeth in this scene? It's like, oh, you have no idea that oh, this is terrible. Dear. You think this is good. Oh, so that's... I'm fascinated by so I, I I hate watching films like that that, that 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 take themselves really seriously but are woeful. But I love watching uh, B movies like Sharknado and shit like that that mm. knows it's ridiculous. I can't remember one the one where they're skiing and the sharks in the snow, which is fucking brilliant. That because it's I'm... just it's just ludicrous. Yeah, but I'm interested now. Uh, Nazis on the moon and Iron Sky. That's a great B movie. Yeah. What's the snow Nazi one? Dead snow. That's the one. Iron Spy. Die. Fantastic. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, you can do shit puns. Uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space is obviously a very famous one. Mm-hmm. One that doesn't know it's shit, but like, I'm kind of intrigued by Lady in the Water, M. Night Shyamalan's, because, I mean, it's so bad. He casts himself as a writer whose writing is so good that it saves the world and plays it himself, and it's just like... And you got Paul Giamatti. What's his name? Giamatti. Giamatti, who's a great actor and stuff. But yeah, he's great. It's actually. just shit. Well, I would say, and I'm not directing this specifically at uh, Lady in the Water nor uh, M Night. That sometimes the terrible power of drugs and money may make you do things that you don't want to, mm. or blind you to the fact that you know you're making a weird movie uh, with M Night Shyamalan, who at that point was in the total slump of his career. Yeah. Having said that, I want to see the happening. You know the one with Mark Wahlberg where everyone just kills themselves? That guy lies that under the uh, combine harvester or whatever the fuck that is. Oh, okay. Ride on lawn. You know what? I think Ernest Shaman was great at coming up with ideas and then he should just give it to someone else to He's gone write. George, and he? He had his one big idea yeah. and he executed beautifully. And then he went, right, I'm the boy now. But instead of letting other people get on with it, he went, yeah. Yeah, Unbreakable. Okay. Yeah. Signs. So, oh, fuck off. It's got, it's got well, big We're going to invade a, a planet made of what? It's 80% water full of beings that are made it's of water. Not, it's not about, it's about the, it's about the government or abusive priests or something. Okay. It's an allegory, dude. But it's not a Think about one, No, it's it? shy, isn't it? You could probably get around it by just making them allergic to, I don't know, Tootsie Rolls. They're not prevalent. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not just available. They're not in the fucking atmosphere. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you one, one really famous one that I haven't seen deliberately because I want to go and see it at the Prince Charles Cinema and it's on quite a bit there, is The Room. Have you seen that? I've not seen it, but it, it appears to be the, the, the best bad movie of all time. Yeah, the- I've been deliberately wanting to, uh, waiting to go and uh, to go and watch it with friends there. So maybe maybe I'll give you an invite, Steve, and we can go watch it. Excuse me, I don't think I Here it's absolutely so woefully bad that it is... A work of art. Yeah, well, the disaster artist is about to come out, isn't it? Yeah, which is about the making of that. So I suppose, in some way, old matey boy has made something incredible out of shit, which you know is is, is fairly interesting. Yeah, but yeah, there are a lot of uh, a lot of very bad movies that take themselves so seriously that are so ponderous that I don't have any time for that. It's just a bit student filmmaking, isn't it? It's like whenever yeah. you, you never get asked to make a film as a student, you're like, oh, we should make a film about heroin addiction. Yeah. Or, you know, the trying. it's like, oh, just make something fun. Yeah. Or just tell an interesting story. Stop yeah. trying to grapple in five minutes with these heavy, heavy... <laughs> so I mentioned it before. I remember when I arrived at Royal Holloway to do my interview... Uh, which uh, which went pretty well until uh, I just nodded my head to a question and then they asked me to expand on it. And I was like, ah, uh, they're like, you nodded your head. I was like, well, I was just kind of nodding along. But I'm very 18, Larry- so I was just agreeing with whatever you yeah, said. Yeah, very Larry David moment there. But uh, they had a bunch of films that were showing, sorry, that people had made in their third year final films that were on the wall. And there was one, it always stuck with me. It was absolutely beautiful, this movie. It's about... A guy who's a yuppie, uh, who's got it all. He's got a Porsche. He's got the house and wherever. He's got the beautiful girlfriend. He's got the money. And at the start, he's outlining in a kind of funny, very 80s, almost John Hughes sort of way about why he's better than you because he's worked hard. And then suddenly it's smash cuts and he's playing squash, taking the piss out of all the 80s yuppie stereotypes, <laughs> tropes. Um, and then... He, uh, while he, I think while he's showing you the keys of the Porsche, you don't notice he puts the keys down and he leaves to go to work and he shuts the door behind him and his whole life is on the key, right? So the whole status is on the key, the doors the, that can be opened by them, both through his car, 
and to his house or on the key and he's fucked and his life crumbles in eight minutes when That's he can't nice get back idea. into the into the house and people don't take him seriously he's like oh my key and they're like yeah of course they are it is incredibly well done I have to find out the name of it but yeah I mean a lot of them are yeah some of them you see and like but you don't have the you want to do this big sweeping epic Wagnerian you don't have the experience you don't, you don't have the money you don't have the experience you don't have the backing you don't have the crew you don't have the trust I mean at Royal Holloway I remember I was told that I was not allowed to make any more movies because I hadn't attended certain classes <laughs> and I was like listen mate I would attend the classes I wasn't actually allowed to take the equipment out they're like apparently you've not attended uh, modern European cinema this week <laughs> modern European cinema I've seen these movies I've seen uh, well at one point I actually went and sat in someone else's lectures on economics I was just like let's just check this out this is this is a place of learning why, why should I not be allowed to just sit in here I mean, various reasons. And I was like, this is fucking boring. Wait, this, they were glory days. This is terrible. I did actually, I think what, what tipped them off was that I walked past my own lecture with a golf club slung over my arm to engage in a game of urban golf, which I was at that point trying to popularise and get my own uh, university sports team, <laughs> which was blocked, I'll have you know. It was fucking blocked, even though I knew the president of the golf team and I was like, listen. Just to, just to clarify, urban golf is uh, twatting golf balls around like actual locations. Yeah, absolutely. So world. you start wherever and you're like, look, the 18th hole is somewhere else. And you just hit it around campus and see I what mean, happens. what could possibly go wrong? I know. So I even had the backing of the, uh, of the president of the golf society. She was like, cool. And then blocked. Unfucking believable. Holloway, I'll I mean, tell you. The I'll first come. hole was a car there'll, park, wasn't it? Yeah. There'll be no fucking endowment when I get super rich, mate. None of that. Yeah, it's going to be like that scene in Billions. Yeah, where he just holds a ransom up with it. Look, we'll give you loads of money if we can start Urban Goal. <laughs> the 42-year-old president of the Gold Society. It's fucking Wes Anderson movie. Uh, oh, speaking of Wes Anderson, Isle of Dogs looks incredible. Have you seen the trailer? No, I haven't yet. We'll watch it after this. It's fantastic. It's like the movie that came out of my brain. In fact, I might actually just so I don't mind seeing like a Wes Anderson trailer because I don't think that'll give you all of the plot points. It'll just tease. No, because everything's on a wide anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Next question, Dave. Well, it's, it's going back to your fucking stupid joke of uh, what other films should be pluralised sequel treatment alongside It's and <clears throat> The Shinings. Uh, are we talking about real movies or just movies that were invented? Well, I think movies that were invented. I was going to say Kindergarten Cops. It'd be a great one. Uh-huh. But it turns out Kindergarten Cop 2 exists. Yeah. Dolph with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, think about it. Uh, think so, about it. So that's such a logical thing to... Of course it exists. Of course, you know. Uh, so are you Draculas? So basically, Jonathan Harker and Van Helsing, it probably couldn't be Bram Stoker's Dracula because, you know, the endings and such. But he comes back to life, right? Jonathan Harker goes back... But this time, a bunch of British <laughs> British soldiers go with him. And I mean, this would be sick. Yeah, I mean, we should actually don't don't say any more about the idea. We should write. I mean, I, mean to, ima- I don't can imagine that people would piece together the rest of the plot from uh, that. Yeah, uh, well, um, the Godfathers. I mean, because the Godfather Part Two has two of them, Vito and Michael. So they should have just called it that, the Godfathers, right? Because that's what it's about. Fucking idiots. What's, what's a really good movie that would benefit from a, uh, and having a team of marines go back and yeah, exactly. uh, fuck shit right up it has, to be, it has to be something a bit supernatural or just or very very stupid no I think you go the other way you go stupid Chinatowns so they go back yeah right they go back but then they realise that the Chinatown of the title isn't a literal place and it's uh, something that's happened in the past and pretty much a massive big trouble in little Chinatowns <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy's <laughs> fucking Jessica Tandy's back. She's a robot now. <laughs> fucking hell. Full of ideas. We Reservoir are available. Dogs. <laughs> yeah, pluralizing something that's already there. <laughs> well, you could do it the other way. The prequel, Reservoir Dog. And it's, it's young Steve Buscemi like, nah. You can see why he's upset about tipping. You can see his first experience of tipping. We should do this. Well, I reckon we should do this. We I'll give him a call. <laughs> I mean, what is Quentin Tarantino up to right now? Don't answer that. He could be doing anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, there'll be a lot of hype for that. That leads beautifully. Oh, oh. The question. 
of Alex Wood. What film do you wish you'd been alive to see the hype for? I mean, we've been alive for a lot of the hype of massive films. Mm. It's just, I mean, they've nearly always disappointed. So The Matrix Revolution is the second one, is it? Reloaded. Reloaded is the second one. I mean, you're pumped for that. The Matrix was fucking brilliant. Oh, I was I was super was like, pumped. And it was dreadful. And it was well Beyond cool. dreadful. Star Wars, I, I think. Star Wars Phantom Menace. The, that was the biggest pump. Yeah, because it'd been so long it had been off the screen. I mean, I, I think being alive for when Empire was about to come out, that would have been cool. Yeah, I, I obviously, I don't know. There's the stories about the lines around the block from the uh, man's theatre. Because there wasn't this super saturation, even in terms of how the media would evolve between, let's say, 83 and 99. Mm-hmm. And... The the time is the key. The unbelievable distance of time. If you think about... So in terms of hype, just to go off on a tiny little tangent here. When I when Resident Evil 2 was in the offing, I got to... Just say I got to about February 1998. And I actually considered what would happen if I died before I got to play it. <laughs> I was like, what if I die? What if I get hit by a car? I remember thinking very clearly in the kitchen of my parents' old house, what if I die? That would be shit. Uh, and I think with Star Wars is that there are a lot of people who, and without getting too dark about it, there are a lot of people who loved the original trilogy and didn't get to see that any of the rest of it because it was so fucking long. So it meant so much to people who were kids then and adults. Yeah. But And that passage of time, I think Brian Eno said this. He said that the, the thing that a, a, a medium or something like that is crucified for the reason we move on for it say digital artifacting or reel to reel or tape give it 20 years and it becomes the thing that you love about it because Mm -hmm. the nostalgia you grow up and nostalgia for me is the is is like being god uh in a way because you not that i engage in nostalgia quite a lot i don't you know but in your mind you you are the king or queen of the time there because you only think about the good things and you only really think about... So it's selectively choosing a world and creating it with you in the centre of it. Because nostalgia is not about you thinking about... Generally, sometimes you get nostalgic for... I imagine what Warren Beatty must feel like now. Probably great. But he must Mm -hmm. think sometimes, I'd love to be back in 75, you know, maybe for a couple of weeks. So nostalgia is that the the concoction of something that didn't exist, the building of something that didn't exist before out of materials and then putting yourself at the centre of it, being the person. So then nostalgia for Star Wars, imagine spending all that time creating this world that didn't exist and then being told you can actually go back into it and then you get fucking munched because it's terrible. But the hype for for Phantom Menace, uh, Anthony Lane of The New Yorker, he wrote that George should never have released it. He should have just kept saying next year. No, we're delaying it next year. Mm-hmm. Keep Because he said that's the thing that people were into. The idea. The idea of style. The, the idea of being back where you were. The idea of, of this, that and the other. And the, the quickest way that nostalgia gets punctured is by someone who wasn't there going, wait this a minute. Fucking shit, that mate. was fucking terrible. It's like, you know, the whole, we won't go on too much about it, but Brexit is the, Brexit is, it's not like Star Wars. But the reason Brexit was so powerful, I believe, for people was because they had created this world in a, in a nostalgic They had gone back form. to the Empire. They gone back to ruling then, the world. And then they were offered a chance, they thought or were told, to make it real again. It's, you know, that's so an unbelievably powerful message. The disconnect message. there was that they weren't actually there for when Britain ruled the exactly, Empire. Right. And that was built on slavery. So. Yeah, so, exactly. So I think that the, I'm as a movie, I don't hate, I think the movie's bad, but as a cultural artifact, I think The Phantom Menace is incredible and I'm glad we have it mm-hmm. because the, the lead up to it, you know, the documentary about it, the things that happened after it, even though it kind of ruined George in the public eye for a while until everyone was like, can you shut the fuck up? Because actually a lot of things that you love are because he made it. Yeah, but or- when, when he finally kicks it, he will be remembered for creating this incredible franchise mm. of which there are now 50 films. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and as well for the technical advancements that mm. that were made in the pursuit of those failed yeah. three films. Yeah. So but- the, the, the Star Wars hype, I would have liked to have been, I'd have liked to have been around for some of the crazier for some more some of the word of mouth yeah word of mouth like Jaws Jaws definitely would have been great 
Because you're not you're not being built as a diff. The hype here is different because the hype now comes from marketing teams and is carefully choreographed mm. and built. But whereas whereas then, yeah, that would have been exciting hearing yeah. someone go, Psycho. "I've just been in the cinema and oh wow, yeah. you need to go and see this." And, and you maybe read about it a bit in a newspaper, but it's not continually blasted in your face, and yeah. you can't just you know stick it in a YouTube and someone's filmed a clip of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the difference, of course, between the Matrix and the Matrix Reloaded is that the Matrix got. Warner's Village Roadshow, whoever, essentially just buried it. It should that if you think about that movie, that should be out in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Or the middle of summer, or even you know towards when the schools were out. It wasn't. It just came out much earlier because they were like, well, we've got to get out of the way of Star Wars. Ninety nine, right? Mm-hmm. Turns out the Matrix is actually fucking amazing. You had, I think, for the last time on a big blockbuster movie because there are a lot of art movies or indie movies or smaller ones where people. Like Dogtooth, where you said to me, it's been out for years. You're like, well, listen, now I'm excited about it. So that's proper, genuine word of mouth stuff, mm-hmm. right? Well, John said that. John Young, our friend, uh, said that to us. And now I'm excited about the movie. The Matrix was the last big action blockbuster where there's a strong chance you didn't even know it existed. Or you'd heard about it and the concept was a bit weird and you went, oh. But I another mean, movie was flanking it. I'll tell you what would have been exciting for hype, sitting in those rooms, watching it, going, holy fuck, it's come together. Like yeah. all this, like, and then it'll be like bullet time and they'll like lean back and the camera will spin around. Mm. Right. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then seeing it and be like, oh, oh yeah. shit, this like, is going to be massive. This is a hit. Yeah. You know, it's, we talk uh, in the company about the kind of uh, inverted bell curve, which is any creative endeavor. And even if you've never done anything creative, you'll know it because it's also the tidying your room curve. <laughs> this is a good idea. This is, we need to get this done. You're going to feel so much better when it's done. Mm, it's starting to feel a bit difficult, but we're nearly there. Then at the very bottom, you're like, this will never, ever be good. How on earth am I going to make all this work? This is the, we pulled everything out phase. Yeah, and then suddenly you come up and through, and it must have been incredible to, as you say, be in the screening room at Warner, Warner's and just be like, Especially on that wow. scale, because it's what we've done, but times are yeah. millions. And the Wachowskis vindicated, but, you know, they did. Yeah, especially if you back yourself and go, look, fucking trust me, I've yeah. got this. Well, the, guy, the guys that wrote the other comics that you nicked it all from, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. But, you know, they, they those stories about Wachowskis having to show them, like, panels, because mm-hmm. they're like, we haven't got a fucking clue what you're talking about. We don't, we, we just don't. And whatever, because you know, Warner Brothers Bound had been made by the Wachowskis, which is a good which movie. Which is a very good film, yeah. Uh, they well, because they went with the Matrix originally, and they went absolutely not. Are we giving you that amount of money when you haven't? Yeah, directed they, a feature film. But they wrote Assassins, so they had a couple of things mm-hmm. under their belts. You know, they had some movies with Sylvester Stallone. You know, so they 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 had, and then suddenly they had this suddenly world changing hit. Now I would have been insufferable. Listen. You know, when I slice my bagel perfectly in the morning, which I do every time now, I've got the guillotine, I'm insufferable. Now, if I had a monster hit, it would be oh, bad. Oh, wow. It would be, it would be bad. You know it'd be bad. It would be, I mean, I was pretty insufferable off those Resident Evil fucking live action adverts, <laughs> which were brilliant, by the way. They were brilliant. So just wait until I do the Resident Evil live action movie. You're off, Dave. You're sacked. I'll do it. <laughs> oh, we can have such an amazing argument. The documentary around it will be infinitely more than... Uh... Like Star Wars, right? Yeah. Dave, how does the camera... I, you know, you're going to have to come on board on this one. But yeah, so Star Wars. Yeah, well, speaking of nostalgia, uh, SNES Mini. SNES Mini, it's happening. It's on the way mm-hmm. at the time of recording. We have not received ours yet, but we did order it. And we ordered it because someone we knew, we won't say who, because, you know, we're not fucking snitches, was like, listen, this is going to happen. We're like, Ooh. We got it ordered, so it's going to turn up, and uh, I'm then going to... What are you you most looking forward to playing on it? Uh, See, I want to play Star Foxes. Star Foxes 2, right? That's the one that was never released. Star Fox. Star Fox. Well, I was doing the plural thing. I know, see, but I thought some people might miss it. Uh, Yeah, I think there is a build of it out on the internet, but this one has obviously been finished to what you would assume is a higher standard Mm -hmm. that has more has another, is a later build. So, for example, with Resident Evil 1.5, there is a build that's on the internet mm-hmm. and has been for a few years that people then built upon themselves. They found some background data in an old Japanese Resident Evil package, a game which had a, 
another disc which had all the backgrounds and or some of the backgrounds at least on the disc data it sounds weird doesn't it and so they they worked together and team i can't remember that but anyway they they made this version so that you know you you can play it you can download it and you can run around for you know for the people who really wanted to play Mm -hmm. 1.5 wow you can play that now but Star Fox has nintendo doing it not just a bunch of people doing it in spare time so it's going to be this incredible I think experience for some people. I was never really into Star Fox, but in terms of history's sake, I'm I'm excited to play it. Will you be playing uh, Final Fantasy three? Uh, I'll be having a little uh, a little bears of Final Fantasy three or six or fifty or depending mm-hmm. on where you are, which one it is. What about you, Dave? You're just going to play Mario and turn it off? Yeah, mate, hundred percent Mario Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart. Yeah, Super Mario RPG. I'll give it a go. I. So when I was speaking of things word of mouth that don't happen anymore, I read about Super Mario RPG in a magazine, and then I told some boys at school about it, and they went that they went, there's no such thing, and I was like, well, it's in a magazine. They went, there's no such thing, and then I got laughed at because I was the kid who thought that there was a Mario RPG game made by the Final Fantasy people, and they were like, well, you're an idiot. And you know how things spread on the playground, and that was it. And they fucking did exist. Yeah, they couldn't just Google it then, could they? You? you couldn't just get your phone out and be like. There you go. Bollocks. Have you played it? No. <laughs> I didn't need to play it. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. I haven't gone mad. I haven't gone totally mad. But I have been playing, speaking of Nintendo, an original Game Boy. I played Super Mario Land the other day. That's a fucking good game. That is a good There's game. some good games, isn't it? I mean, the original oh, the Grand Mario Theft It's not a good Mario game. Shut up. Shut, <laughs> you shut up. Yeah, it's got DuckTales in that other room if you want to have a go at that. That's fucking oh, you have difficult. Got... Yeah. Well, they all are, aren't they? Yeah, because it's super fucking difficult. The past, the screen's... Fucking small Tetris and... though. Well, it's an all-time classic. Steve Burns Seven, isn't it? Steve, that is one of the few Steve Burns tens. There's no arguing with Tetris. It's the that most is... perfect game ever designed. That is true. You know, apart from like knocking on people's doors and running away. Which... Oh, what, what did you call it in uh, in Old Toyland where you grew up? So you, so you guys called knocking for people, knocking on, right? Yeah, yeah. So we I'm just called on it for Burns. <laughs> That's weird, but we call it just knock down. So not not down ginger. No, I didn't have a... Yeah, well, ours was, ours was the very clear knock and run. Cause, I mean. See, but that's better. <laughs> this one's a bit more abstract. And knocking on is abstract. Uh, you know, knocking on is abstract. And knocking down, I suppose, is also a bit weird. But you well, know, I love all those things that you don't even question at the time. Like, what did you, what did you say if someone uh, kissed someone else? Like, oh, I went, uh, went and met Claire last night. You didn't meet Claire. I did. Met Claire. You're like, what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It sounds like you're planning a drug it's like a deal. handshake, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, when I moved from Britain to Germany, I was confused by the different name, the different naming conventions for playing singles football tournament with one goalkeeper and many people competing, or maybe in doubles to score in one goal. Mm-hmm. You may have called it Wembley, yeah? No? No. It was called World Cup. Because you had to get to the final, right? Wembley, I suppose, uh, being where the final was. But I was like, fucking out. I've just moved here. I don't know what all these conventions are. I don't know what these things are called. I'm getting found out here as some bloody foreigner. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. What did you call it? Said, you know the game? What, what, I don't know the game. What you fucking it? know the... Listen. Oh, you never there's f- one goalkeeper. There's one goalkeeper. And there's like five or however many people. Someone's in goal. You kick the ball out. Someone scores. They go through to the next round. Oh, and then God, you get eliminated yeah. if you're the last or the last two, depending on how you want to structure the... Yeah, I can't remember what we call that. Yeah. Well, you, you didn't have footballs though, did you? No. Like socks and that. Oh, well, it was a rugby town, innit? We used to play invisible rugby on the, uh, on the, <laughs> on the lower playground because we didn't have a rugby ball. <laughs> just, hell, you had to it. shout dummy as you threw a dummy, which obviously didn't cause any arguments whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I imagine Seven that, year olds. <laughs> yeah, that, that was all that keenly officiated. Days, yeah. So what's the, what are we talking about now? Completely no, we're, we're talking about uh, SNES, but another another big announcement that will probably be announced the day we release this podcast is, uh, well, we're not sure what it is yet for Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't believe this is a thing. Probably I think a trailer. I think you've uh, made this up. Let's have a look. I'm going to look on the internet. And if you've made it so up... So you're, you're, you're the kids in the schoolyard, aren't you? And I'm and I'm a little, yeah, a little see? Steve Burns. Yeah. Guten Tag, uh, motherfucker. Yeah, he's a good boy. He was a good boy. He's dead now. There's a picture of me when I'm a, a bit younger and I don't I don't generally I don't look that much obviously I because you know I'm 10 but my face doesn't look you know the same and I used to think that basically 
Well, your face doesn't look the same. But not the same. Does now. No, you know what I mean. Less it hair. No, no, it means uh, the less facial hair, obviously. But you know how some people, as they as kids, now look dramatically different. Mm-hmm. With some kids, you can be like, "Oh, that's." Yeah. So anyway, firstly, I had shock of blonde hair, firstly, which I don't now. But then I was like, the smirk. There it is, and I'm wearing a cardigan, so it is me. But for a moment there, I was like, was I replaced? It's like, what's the kid in Jumanji called? I've never seen Jumanji. Spider-Man. Toby. No, 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 the girl. Hmm. She looks exactly the same as a kid. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Is she in Jumanji? Yeah. See, she would look exactly the same as a kid, yeah? Yeah. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? But the the smirk, and I've got a look in my eyes as a dickhead, basically. But uh, Red Dead, before we get on, before we go off track with when people were kids. Red Dead Redemption. So what happened then, Dave? What? Tell me what's happened. Hey, well, nothing yet. It'll be when we release this on Thursday. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're just saying, hey, something's going to be out about four o'clock UK time, and probably trailing. They pushed it to Spring Eighteen, haven't they? So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, much. Dave, you were right. Fair enough. I hadn't even See, seen. I know it. about video games. And shit. You know You're more about video mate. games than me now. That's fine. That's how, that's how it should be. I'm not into the video games anymore. I'm actually playing Red Dead Redemption on a PS Now again. I'm yeah. Play of it. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. I played it when it came out. Was it 2010? Yeah. Fucking hell, that's a long time ago. Yeah, you're dead, mate. It's over for you now. So, but yeah, that was a good game. I liked it a lot. Uh, but uh, am I hyped for the sequel? I just want a new GTA. Yeah, well, I mean, they're going to do the online element, aren't they? So I'm sure that'll be. Mm-hmm, I don't know. I want a GTA that's set in Los Angeles in the 1970s. I mean, I'm well on board for that, yeah. Yeah, can't they just do a mod or something? Sure, it's that easy, yeah. Yeah, to put multiplayer mode in, it only take your weekend. For goodness sake, <laughs> what's the problem here? Next question. Mm. Question well, me. I don't know what, what else have we got here. Oh, we've got, a, we've got a, a strange one from DJ Wallet. Do you believe Tom Cruise can actually act 100%? Yeah, he's a good actor. He's better when he's playing an absolute weapon. Yeah, yeah, the problem with Tom Cruise is that it's difficult to get past the Tom Cruise effect. You know, eccentric, mm-hmm. I suppose, is one way of describing Thomas, whatever his name is, Cruise. He's, yeah, it's, it's hard to distinguish the style from the actor because he's not quite good enough for that quality to come through. So, for example, Jack Nicholson, right? Jack Nicholson is, was one of the biggest stars in the history of, of man. Oh, yeah, for sure. And probably still is to a lot of people. But when you watch some of his performances, you're just like, he's also a fucking good actor. A great, I would say. Tom Cruise... I'd say that the problem is, is he's picking roles which aren't testing him. He did, he had that run where he did Born on the Fourth of July, and he did a, like a lot of movies which were you would call them maybe geared around awards season. He did Magnolia, but in those movies he plays against type. Collateral is fantastic, him. And here's the thing with Tom Cruise: good-looking guy, but uh, and as it uh, Hadley Freeman said this in. Uh, the Guardian, I believe. She said that he's just stopped aging. Or, more accurately, he's just now turned into someone who looks like Sandy Toxwig. So he just, <laughs> it doesn't, it's like, you're always thinking, Tom Cruise, like, you're not getting older, you're just becoming a different person who's also middle-aged. I don't know, it's it's a weird thing. And there was a really good article that I read that, sorry, I don't have the link to, but if you Google it, you'll probably find it where he, it was described as Tom Cruise was the first real victim of the, of the internet, where when he did the couch jumping, mm-hmm. that, I love you know, getting yeah, YouTube, uh, where you couldn't control the message anymore, where, you know, because he's got an army of advisors mm. and publicists and whatever, where, you know, if Variety ran a story and he didn't like it, I'm sure that he could say, okay. Well, you just get it pulled, otherwise you don't ex- get any more stories. Exactly. So, but with the internet, you can run that in super freeze frame. You can run mm-hmm. it in one frame a second. You can run it with memes. You can run it backwards. You can run it saying, look at this guy, what a dick. And that's where it kind of got away from Tom Cruise, I think, at that point. Yeah, he did some great movies after that, Collateral being one of them. But I think that was that was kind of it. He sat down at the minute. He's gone and broke his... Uh... And no, Collateral was before, see? That's where it got away from him. That's where it got away from him. And now everyone's just like, oh, it's Tom Cruise being weird again. I do like the last Mission Impossible film was good. Yeah, they are pretty good. He just broke his ankle, I think, on the new one. Oh, I saw that when he tried to jump across the roof. Not good. Not good. But I tell you what, it is is great watching him do his own stunts. Yeah. Oh, you've seen them, have you, Dave? No, no, no. I I don't mean in person, but like watching it and being strapped to the side of a plane taking off. That is cool. That is cool. 
Yeah, I think he, that, you know, that film was everything that the the Bond one wasn't. That was trying to be oh, basically the same film. New Bonds are shit. The uh, yeah, I think with with Tom Cruise, it, uh, he's a guy who's now caught in his own celebrity. Where we're talking about George Lucas, you said when he dies or whatever goes away for some reason, you'd be like, well, oh, that guy. When you think about the Tom Cruise performances again, where when he's young, I'm not talking about super young. Because, you know, he looked, didn't look great in the very first one. Top Gun, Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. through to Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, um, and Magnolia still looking incredible. That youthful glow that he retained for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But you're going to think of movies like Born on the Fourth of July, Top Gun for when he's younger, Vanilla Sky. It's like, Tom, you pretty much are the world's best looking man, or a lot of people seem to think so. So in this movie, you're going to get in a horrific car accident mm-hmm. and half your face is going to be cut off. Okay, cool. And those are the movies that I want to see him do more of. Yeah. More that I mean, he's got the power to do it, hasn't he? He's got all the power. He's got I'm, it all. I'm sure he gets a pretty decent paycheck for Mission Impossible. Yeah. Is it his production company? That, I don't uh, know, but he'll certainly have fingers in it. Cause... Big time. Well, why not, eh? Why not? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's carrying it, isn't he? Exactly. Exactamundo. What's going on? Right, hold on. What do you think? Of what? Give me, right, best Tom Cruise movie right now. Eyes Wide Shut. See, I completely forgot about Eyes Wide <laughs> Shut. You see? Um, I don't know. Top Gun is got to be up there, on it? It's great, Top Gun. I great do movie. love Collateral, though. It's fun. Well, not fun. Like it's, it's He's great in it. Yeah. It's a good film. Interview with a vampire. Yeah. Yeah, see? Playing against his... Is it Interview with a vampire or the vampire? No, let's go there. Let's have a look. I think it's The Vampire. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, so, interesting, probably not now, that Anne Rice, who wrote the the books, I think she wrote something when he was cast as Lestat. That she, uh, she wrote something publicly about how it was the wrong move and he wouldn't get it right. I think she was fairly forceful in her criticism of Tom Cruise, because mm-hmm. at that point, Tom Cruise, he, he gets cast in 1993 for a 1994 release. He's... What's he doing? He's done, obviously he's done Top Gun, Days of Thunder a few years before. Did he, I don't know, Far and Away or some shit. He did a lot of stuff where he's carrying it because he's a very good looking man. Mm. But he'd also done Fourth of July at that point. So, and then when it came out, she was like, "Yeah, I got that completely wrong. He's actually really good in it." And the reason is, is because the reason why is because he played perfectly against the reason why she thought he would be terrible yeah. for it. Yeah. Anyway. That's that's a good movie, and Tom Cruise. What better subject to leave this one on? <laughs> Let's get. I'm going to go watch Collateral now because that is fantastic. I just wish it hadn't been shot on fucking mini DV or whatever this shit. It was it was high definition. It's like, it's like it looks like shit now. It looks like shit. Like fucking Vogue for like neon. Yeah, I don't know. There probably is a Blu-ray version where it looks incredible. Right, listen, we got to go because we've got to work on those super secret projects, which is probably going to turn Dave into even more of a Tory. But thanks for listening. There's more cool stuff coming, always. Dave is probably going to be, you know, away for a little bit because I'm going to kill him for these fucking... He's got cricket glasses in front of me. He's got people... His father is going to be so upset when he finds out about what's been going on down here. But yeah, follow us, JBD, everywhere, and we will see you next time.